Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. You know how people always talk about buy-in? I never believed in that because I was always like, if you, if you buy in, you could always cash out. I was always talking about like you needed to be invested. But the other day I heard someone who took it to another level and I'm definitely going to borrow this for my thing. They were like invested. You could also, you know, they've said some kind of financial thing about cashing your stocks out, but something about like when you have equity, right. in what's mm -hmm. going on, that's the highest level. Because even if you sell, then you're making a profit. Welcome to the shark effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Thank you once again for tuning in for another episode of The Shark Effect. Um, very grateful for all the listeners all over the planet. I never thought that I would have people in China or New Zealand listening to me, listening to me and my guests, but it's happening and I'm very thankful. Um, I want to make sure that you guys know that my book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement, is on sale. It's not, I mean, it's... Yes, it is at Amazon, but if you want to grab yourself an autographed copy, you can go to yourultimateplaybook.com and grab yourself a copy. It's 20 bucks plus, I think it's $4 for shipping, shipping and handling. Um, I want to make sure you get that out there to you. Okay? All right. Let's have a listen to our next episode. <laughs> so, so my next guest uh, on the Shark Effect is Tommy Verdell. Um... I got linked up with Tommy um, through, uh, I, actually I didn't know, but a good friend of mine, 
Astor Chambers yes. actually went to school, I think, with, with Tommy. Yes. I can't remember. Was it high school or middle school yep, or, or it what? It was, it was LaGuardia, yep. There we go. LaGuardia High School, yep. LaGuardia High School. So um, I'm glad to get connected with Tommy. Tommy, you know, works with and deals with uh, college athletes. Um, I'm going to let him kind of tell a little bit about – Tommy, can you tell my, my people? He tell my people a little bit about you? Yes. So, so first of all, thanks first and foremost for having me. Um, I'm honored that you reached out to me and, and thought that I could be of help to anybody, <laughs> to be honest with you, because, um, you know, others have influenced me, others have impacted me. Um, and that's really helped me to want to always be one who tries to give back or make an impact on others, because I know the power that that can have on people. So right now, I currently serve as our associate athletic director at Williams College, which is located in Williamstown, Massachusetts, which is in the northwest corner of Massachusetts. So I'm about, I'm about an hour away from Albany, New York, and about like almost three hours from Boston, believe it or not. So it's mm -hmm. like a weird thing. I'm actually closer to New, the capital of New York than I am the capital of Mass. But um, in my role here, I serve as our compliance officer. So I oversee all of our 32 NCAA Division Three teams and, and make sure that all of our stuff is, we're dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's with NCAA legislation and our conference leg legislation. And I also head up all of our diversity, equity, and inclusion work within our department, which is obviously massive. It was massive before um, the pandemic and then the other pandemic, the social justice pandemic. And it's just obviously literally spiraled out of control now um, over the course of the last year. So just trying to provide education, resources, community, affinity space, be it for our faculty, our athletic faculty, athletic staff, and obviously for all of our student athletes. Prior to that, I had coached basketball and been an administrator in combination at different spots along the way. I have, um, so my basketball coaching experience, I have assistant coaching experience in the NBA. It was actually the D League then, not even the G League, um, in which I was a volunteer assistant with the Springfield Armor. Our head coach at the time was D. Brown. Remember D. Brown? I remember D. Brown. Yeah, the dunk, dunk contest. Yeah. yeah. So, and phenomenal, phenomenal. Best two years of my life in terms of learning about basketball. Like the NBA is the highest level. Um, great, unbelievable coach, unbelievable understanding of the game, tops all that off of being a better human being. And his assistant coach at the time, Kevin Whitted, the both of them have been, it was just a great, great two years to get to know two good people and really soak up the game. So I have experiences there. I've been a division three head coach. I've been a high school and prep school head coach. I've coached AAU. Um, prior to here, I was at another college in our league as an assistant coach in the league and also a, a um, athletic administrator as well. So, you know, a lot of experiences to say that I'm still learning and growing every day, <laughs> you know, the, because it. whenever that stops, I don't want to be here. And it's, it's funny because I'm OCD about it. I think just like looking back on my upbringing growing up, you know, maybe at the end of the day, I had a learning disability or I had something that wasn't identified, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I'll never forget, like it took me to my junior year in college until I really, really figured out how I learned. And then I really, really loved learning and loved reading and just gaining knowledge. So I feel like I'm trying to make up for like the first, you know, 19, 20 years of my life where maybe it was like I, I didn't enjoy it quite that much. 
Yeah. And so now I'm kind of just like OCD about trying to trying to take it all in. Oh, gotcha. Um, so, you know, talk to me a little bit about like these athletes, right? These athletes that come play sports. Um, I don't know. So how many sports are there at your, have, at your school? Yeah, so we have 32 sports. So so let me uh, let me actually back up and, and talk about Williams for a second and the uniqueness of not just our school, but all the schools in our league. So we play in, and it's not arguable. There are a couple conferences that would say arguably, but there's no argument. Our conference is the best Division three athletics conference in the country. It's also a high academic conference. So what, what do I mean by that? So like Williams is the number one small liberal arts school academically in the country. Um, and we compete against other schools that are of that ilk academically and athletically. So kids, so like when we're, when we're recruiting basically in all of our sports, you know, we're looking at kids who are of the highest level that athletically could play in like the Ivy League, the Patriot League, or maybe even higher. But they have that academic desire to thrive as, as, as just regular students, just students, forget about athletics, at the highest level. Um, so, that, so we get a very, very unique student athlete here, one who's like driven beyond belief in both academics and athletics. So, you know, so what are some of the side effects of that, for example? It's like, you know, mental health and well-being, because if you're just always full tilt trying to just be the best of the best of the best, you know, how do you balance? How do you take it down? How do you how do you know when, you know, you need to take a break because you're stressed out and all these kind of things? You know, we're dealing with people, people, because they are people. We forget mm -hmm. that sometimes we say student athlete. I actually a couple weeks ago was like, you know what? I'm not saying that anymore. I'm saying people because we're human and we need to remember that. And, and where I'm going with that is we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and that we're checking in on others because the people who we deal with here are basically perfectionists. And we know how that can play out in today's society. That puts a lot of undue stress and pressure on oneself. So staying with that, what are some some of the tools that you, you know, that the that the kids, whether you give them or some of the other people give them to to kind of like take the stress level down a bit because of whether it's academics or in sports? What are some tools? I think the first the number one tool is the relationship that they have first and foremost with their coaches, their head coaches and their assistant coaches within their program, because those are the people who they're going to obviously spend the most time with. Then myself, in my capacity here, I really deal and interact with every student athlete. Now, not as directly as their coaches, but my DEI work and all my compliance work touches every single one of them. But I'm also our faculty advisor for our student athlete of color group. Um, which we call GCBC, which was named after the first um, black student athlete to attend Williams College. And um, so in that capacity, you know, like I'm, I'm just trying to develop a relationship so that someone feels comfortable enough, A, if I'm missing on them needing something, that they can come tell me that and they know that I'm going to have their back and get them what they need. But even more importantly, I'm in tune, our coaches are in tune with our people, because I want to call them student athletes, the people that we lead so that we know when they're a little bit off or we know when they need a little bit of a break. Some of the resources that some of our coaches use are like a weekly feedback form. Um, so like asking them at the end of the week, you know, how was this week for you academically, athletically, socially? Did you sleep, eat well enough? What do you have coming up for this next week? Um, so that they can gauge how they can be more helpful to our student athletes and what have you. And I think even most importantly is us as leaders modeling that 
us taking care of ourselves, us checking in on each other. Um, you know, you and I were talking before as we were setting this up, but even just modeling from the standpoint of like how many times when coaches are recruiting, they talk about to a family about taking care of their son or daughter, but the example that they're setting is taking care of their own self by sleeping in the office and not going home and not taking care of their family. Like if I was on a recruiting trip and you're telling me that, but I see that cot in the corner, I'm like, well, how are you going to take care of my kid? Or how is my kid more important than your blood? You know, that would concern me. So things like that. I think those are, those are some of the steps. And then they can get more personalized within teams, what they need in or out of season or within some of the issues that maybe specific student athletes are dealing with. Um, you know, case in point last year with all the social injustice and literally the world falling apart for so many communities, there's something where like everybody had to give great thought and concern and, and take some time. Don't just jump in, but like, how are we going to really help our student athletes in need? What are some of the conversations? What are some of the resources? What is some of the education that we can do for all of us to make it where we're supporting each other and then building and learning moving forward from everything that was happening? Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely. You know, so we were talking off air, talking about when you were coaching, when you was coaching basketball, and you had a term, you know, when it was it's, uh, family, love, and um, trust. Yeah, yeah so, so I combined the words because I, I was always one. I know not every coach believes this, and – it's funny because I remember when I gave great thought to that, like maybe a team isn't a family because like family is unconditional love where a team like doesn't have to have that. But I realized like who I was and I realized who coached me at the youngest of ages and made the greatest impression on me. And to me, mm -hmm. they were family. So that, that was like my first word. But I also didn't want to be about just saying something because you know this from sport and playing. Like we all say, okay, one, two, three, family. But what do yeah. we really mean? So I had always had the words loyalty, trust, and love as the cornerstones of like the vision for the culture, which is another buzzword. But I combine those so that I spell it F-A-M-I-L-T-L-Y. So family, in essence, is what my program, what my leadership style is about, is that we're creating family through loyalty, trust, and love. Um, so much so that even like when I was recruiting kids in college, First of all, you know you're not going to get all of them because they're free agents. Like at the end of the day, they decide where they want to go. As much as we want to get them and decide for them, we can't. But like I've had so many kids who I've never coached um, and their family. You know what I mean? Because like I said, I don't believe in recruiting. I believe in building lifelong relationships. And if it pans out, if it pans out where you're going to play for me, that's great. And if it doesn't, I'm still going to support you. Um, and, you know, when you play against us, you can even have an okay game so long as we win. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I wish if you normally get 30, like take it down to like 18, 19 points and we get the dub, you know, we're still good, you know? So, so yeah. and, I, and I think that's important. And I, and I think that it's funny because as I think back to when I created that, what was going to be my coaching philosophy, this was way before I had kids. And I think I would have been a coach at the time it was like, yeah, you know, your kids aren't coming to practice. Like it's not because it's not the place. I don't know. It's just like looking back on it. I think I would have been about that. But I also tell people this, it's funny because once I had my first child, I have three, my son is eight, he'll be nine in December. I felt like I became a better coach because the last light bulb went off is that everybody that you coach is someone's son or daughter. 
You know what I mean? Like that really just connected everything with me. And then some of the experiences of like when my son, I have I have two daughters now. My my oldest daughter has been able to take some of this. And when you bring them to practice and when they're interacting with the people in your program, be it the players, be it the coaches, there's so much positive stuff happening. They're getting to see what, like, you know, they're getting a look at like what student athletes can be about. The student athletes are, are being forced to like be leaders and mentors for my kids. Like I ask kids like, hey, you know, how are you gonna help my kids? Like in the recruiting process, I was not afraid to ask that because I want that around, you know, us as coaches are demonstrating it. The students are getting me to see me be a father. There's just so much stuff that I was like, man, I can't believe that I might've ever been the coach that would have been like, all right, Alex, you can't bring your kids in the gym. We got business here, you know? Uh, like, yeah. It's like, it's like and, and I, I don't know if I would have been that way, but looking back, I could see where like, I definitely did not recognize all the power that was in those relationships. So it just all goes back to leaving like everything is, is that word. And like, I think coaching, you know how we talk about work-life balance so much? Mm-hmm. I don't like that word. I, li- I like the blended life because like, I want it to be all blended into one, like my family by blood and my family by ball. And that's how that, that whole thing kind of got created. And I try to just live and walk in that vision the best I can every single day. Mm, I love that, man. What is like two or three tips that you can be able to give like student athletes or people who are athletes and they're coming into college, no matter if it's a big school top, you know, those big five or smaller division two or three schools. Mm-hmm. What is a couple of tips that you can be able to give my, my, my listeners who, who are parents or who are, who are athletes who are going into that environment? I think first and foremost, let's back it up as you are deciding on where you want to go for that environment first and foremost is to ask yourself as a student athlete where can i go and sweat in games sooner than later okay because you know they they're not going to have perspective on how good division three basketball is for example okay Mm -hmm. just for example but um just sticking with forget and and there's many things that they probably should do in order not just the kids but the families in order to just understand that but like you want to play in the games (laughs) like like, you know and sweating in practice doesn't count you know back in the day we're of the age where a walk-on really did kind of have a chance you know because recruiting budgets weren't out of control like they are at the division one level like imagine now alex if you're at you know, one of these high-level schools. I mean, Duke played Kentucky last night on yeah. ESPN. And, you know, if three kids just walk through the door um, at Duke who are just ballers, they're going to be they're gonna be looking at Coach K like, well, why do, we, why do you have a – and I'm not saying he has a $2 million recruiting budget, but, like, why is your recruiting budget so high when these three kids just walked off the street? So even if you're good, they can't they, – like, you, you have to be ridiculous. Like, they don't even want you to be that good because it messes up the system in which they're really going to get a lot of a lot of players normally. So you need to be realistic about where you're going to go sweat in the games. And I think specifically with basketball, you know what happens is it gets messed up because this is what I love about football is that you, you have hitting drills and you hit. So if you and I line up, right, and I didn't play football like that, like that, I already know who's going to win this one, but like you're going to hit me and then I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm not as good as Alex. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that hurt. My pad level wasn't low enough. You know, all the, all the other stuff that's going to happen from it. 
But in some other sports, it's very subjective, or you could find someone to say that you're good. So, like, I know when I try to evaluate people in basketball, I'm always like, how can we create hitting drills with air quotes, like the football mm-hmm. stuff? A lot of times it's smaller sided games the right way. Not like one-on-one check it up like you're playing at the park, but like, nah, man. Yeah. You're on the weak side corner. You got to tag the roller and then close out and don't let that kid get the shot off and contain him in two or three dribbles, blah, blah, blah. That kind of stuff. So really educating yourself on where you can go to sweat in games because your experience at the collegiate level is going to be a whole lot better if you're playing in games than not playing in games. That should be just be honest because you're probably playing a lot in high school, you know? Another thing I would say is that, now people are going to say the opposite of this, but this is a reality. People always, a lot of people will say, oh, go pick a school that you'd like being at if you weren't a student athlete. Guess what? You can't do that because you're a student athlete. You can't think about that. You've been doing it too long, you know, trying too hard to get to whatever level you're going to get to. So that's not realistic for you. If something was to happen in which you had a career-ending injury or like whatever it is, you didn't want to play the sport, then when that point comes, then you might have to reevaluate if that's the school that you wanted to stay at. But I don't think that works. I don't think you could pick a school on like, I'm going to be happy if I'm not playing there. I just don't think that's realistic for eight. Basically, you're always going to be 18. You know what I mean? 17, 18 when you're making Mm -hmm. this decision. That's not possible to do, I don't think. Um, And then lastly, though, you do have to think about, you know, these are probably the three nuggets. Like, what's a school, what school is going to put me in the position so that when the ball stops bouncing, there's no air in the ball for whatever sport it is. I'm going to be prepared for life to do the next thing that I want to do that's going to fulfill me um, and bring me the same joy that sport does. Because I think Steve Nash probably said the greatest thing I've ever heard about basically when your sports career comes to an end, it's like a death. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I know for me, with COVID now, over the course of this last couple years, I have definitely not played as much as like I would like to. And at 48, you know, I, I remind myself, like, you can't just jump out there. And it does feel like, like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably never going to play again like how I would want to. Yeah. And it's like, it is like someone dying. Like, it's just like you've never lived in that existence before. So, so like, for me, what's the next best thing? It's coaching. Like, I get, I get the juice from that kind of like that I got from playing. So, And it might be different for other people. It might be opening your own business. It might be being a doctor. It might be being an elementary school teacher, whatever it is. I would say those are the three things that need to guide you. There's a lot of other stuff with it as well. I'll give you this one too. I don't think people should be afraid to ask genuinely honest questions in the recruiting process. I'm talking to the students and the parents right now. You know what? You may not like the answers that you hear back and hopefully you'll get the truth back because Alex, that could be a whole nother thing. We know how the recruiting process is. Yes, sir. Hopefully you're getting the truth back, um, but information the correct information is the best thing to have. But you're better off a coach honestly saying, hey, we don't envision you being able to play here. That's better than like them BSing you, you getting someplace, and then you're not sweating in games and you're not happy. So you should not be afraid to ask any and all questions because this is your first biggest decision in your life at 17 or 18 years old, of where you're trying to go and you're trying to set you up for the, you're just trying to set yourself up for that next 40 or 50 years. So it's that important. Do not hesitate to ask any and all questions. Uh, I love that, Tommy. And, you know, I'm not going to keep you very long, but I want to get your take on leadership because we talked about this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see it different. There's different words for it. There's different buzzwords for it that's going out there. But for me, um, you know, I got to boil it down. 
And, you know, when I boil things down, I have a better understanding for it. So then, like, I understand it at a foundational basis. So then I can apply it or I can talk about it to anybody. Yep. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, I mean, leadership is influence. Yep. What is leadership to you and, and how do you use it in everyday life? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think there's a lot of layers to it. I think it all starts first and foremost with knowing who you are as a person and what you want Thank to you. out and represent. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yes. And, and I and it's funny. I was listening to, to the Colin Cowherd show this morning, and he was talking about the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in the sense of like Tom Brady knows who he is, and that leads him to make every decision and act the way that he does. And Aaron Rodgers kind of doesn't know. Um, who he is exactly and what have you. And, you know, this is just him, but it made me just think about, like, leadership in general. It's like, you know, I, I've always known what I've been, like, even so much in terms of, like, um, my basketball playing career or, you know, and, like, you know, playing and trying to play in high school, playing in college. I had some eligibility stuff and transfer stuff that, that messed up my plan, but, like, I never was going around thinking I'm going to be an NBA player. Like, I was totally cool with, I could play at this level in college. I could be, I can give, you know, I'm going to give you 10, 15 minutes a game, whatever it is, is like a backup point guard, if that's what it was, and cool with it, you know, like, but impact the game and influence it that way. You know, old school point guard, I always say, that's easy to do. I know what, I knew what I had to do. You know, my job at the, you know, then it's like, get the ball to the big man, space to play defense, pick their point guard up, harass them, you know, make the extra pass. And then if like after five passes, you're open and it comes back to you, knock down an open shot. Like, I've always been comfortable in who I am. Um, and so, like, I think that's first and foremost. And I think that that then allows you to create your specific vision for leadership. Because we're all going to end up having those same kind of words um, and wanting to make the impact, as you said, or influence. Um, but if you don't know who you are, you can't lead anybody else because we're first and foremost leading ourselves, you know, and trying to be the best version of ourselves that we are every day. Um, and I think a word that is starting to become more and more popularized in today's world when we talk about leadership and having difficult conversations and whatnot is vulnerability. And I think that it's something that even before it was like in my description of leadership, something that I, I feel like I did. You know, I wasn't afraid to share with people this or that. I wasn't afraid to say to a kid who was like trying to decide between D3 and D1, hey, listen, let me tell you my story. I was at UMass um, during the glory days, right? But I couldn't play, you know, because here's what happened. I mean, it, it wasn't my fault. They changed the rule. I transferred from one school to another. But long story short, I know the pain of, you know, not sweating in games and sweating in practice, sweating with these guys, you know, out of season and, and seeing like, damn, I can really play with these guys. But for my situation, I can't play with these guys. And I wish someone would have told me, hey, there's this thing called, Division two or Division three that you would be eligible for, whatever. But again, I wasn't chasing hoops like that as passionate as much as I loved it. I knew I kind of wanted to get into coaching and stuff or what have you. But again, it's all about knowing yourself and be sharing that vulnerability with kids. Like I can say to them, like, hey, man, I don't care what that coach is telling you. Think about it. You're getting recruited by 15 schools. They're all Division two or Division three. You walking onto that Division one school, you already have your answer. And I'm taking from someone who lived it about that. So shared vulnerability, I think, allows people to um, you bring them in quicker under your leadership wings. 
and they grow and learn to believe and trust in you more. Because another thing, the last thing I'll say about it is that, you know how people always talk about buy-in? I never believed in that. Because I was always like, if you, if you buy in, you could always cash out. I was always talking about like you needed to be invested. But the other day I heard someone who took it to another level and I'm definitely going to borrow this for my thing. They were like invested. You could also, you know, they've said some kind of financial thing about cashing your stocks out, but something about like when you have equity, right? In what's mm -hmm. going on, that's the highest level. Because even if you sell then, you're making a profit. So that's what, so like, I was like, wow, that's really powerful. And that, and that's the kind of leader that I want to be. And at the core, that's all happens with genuine, authentic, organic relationships, which again, Alex, as you know, everybody now, like the last 20 years, all these books have been written and everybody talk about, or when you hear them talk about, oh, I wish I would have known about relationships. Well, from day one for me, that's probably all I knew because yeah, I was, a, a, you know, I could play ball, but it's like, all right, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to run this on offense or defense? But then I kept saying to myself, how am I going to get the players to believe in me as to what I'm telling them? I was like, it's got to be about that relationship. And then when they buy in, I could tell them anything. I could say, hey, we're going to play with four people. All right, coach. You know, we, we yeah. trust you. Like, you'll figure it out. But if they don't believe you, you could say we're going to we, we're gonna be able to play with seven people, but they'll always have doubt. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Man, that's, that's golden. You, you dropped that. So all my listeners, I hope you're listening to what Tommy's talking about. Um, and I believe like vulnerability, first you got to own it. You know, you got to own your own story, but it's a superpower. Yep. It really is. It can create a lot of, uh, I know it, it creates trust, but understanding also what he talked about is being a good leader at any level. You got to be able to own who you are. You got to understand who you are. And that's, I mean, that's, that's golden. So, you know, for my listeners, you can't see the smile on my face, but when Tommy was started talking about it, he was hitting on the points that, you know, that I, that I believe in and that I, you know, I put in my book, but it's, um, yeah, it's a superpower. Tommy, thank you very much, man, for being a guest on the shark effect. Um, I'd love to have you on again at some point, but, um, uh, really appreciate your insights, man. I know it's going to help, um, a lot of people both uh, as athletes and, and also as parents. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally, my book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking tr to transition, what, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever, if you're looking to transition into something different this book can help you i break it down i lay down the foundation of who you want to be i have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership which is influence and you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making that can help you with influencing others 
and how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just, not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.